On the show today, vampire games that didn't suck, vampire games that sucked too much, and something that is not a vampire. In three, two, one. Alex, the leaves are falling off the trees one by one, right onto my face. You should probably not be sitting underneath trees. Last time someone did that, an apple fell on their head, allegedly. Yeah, yeah, and then we discovered gravity. And then someone got a concussion and said that gravity was the thing. Yeah, gra- also, gravity was evil. Yeah. At the time of recording this, happy Friday the 13th, everyone. If you survived Friday the 13th, congratulations. Just happened to come in October. That's kind of fun uh for perfect no one if you were in one of those movies and you survived through it congratulations you're in the minority welcome to the spooktacular season of october on total pebble knockdown i am nathan and i am alex and this is total spooky knockdown i don't know what we're doing for a tagline total pumpkin carving with a k with a k (laughs) perfect total pumpkin carving everybody Enjoy. So first up on the show is a question that we got from uh, Dad a, a while back that I've just been putting on the back burner, and, and I wanted to address it now. In the vein of games that we... Uh, thought that we would like but really didn't which was a question that he had asked before he also asked the reverse which is uh, games that we thought we would hate that we ended up really liking and um, I had two examples that I wanted to give that really just at the forefront of my mind uh, are are definitely that the first one is Uh, One game that I think everybody is going to be familiar with, which is uh, Vampire Survivors. Because when I first heard about it, I was like, oh, okay. It's like, uh, it's it's almost like a tower defense game. But, but like, it's a, like a, I guess a rogue-like almost? I I didn't even know what to make of the game when I first heard about Mm -hmm. it. I, I, I just, I saw screenshots, I saw some clips of it, and I was like, Oh, a lot of people are talking about this, but I really don't think it's going to be for me. Uh, right, it's kind of, I feel like it's more like a bullet hell type of game. Yeah, and I don't usually like those. I don't like it, like but those. it's like a reverse bullet hell. You're the bullets. <laughs> yeah, you're the bullet, and everybody else is trying to avoid you, for the most part. Yeah. Um, there is also some, some aspects where they're, they're shooting at you, but then I played it. And the first couple runs that you go through, you're like, oh, okay, I'm trying to get the mechanics down of I don't actually fire anything. The game automatically fires stuff for you on an interval. Uh, But then you collect a few gems and you level up and then they start giving you options as to like what other weapons you want to collect or if you want to upgrade them and stuff. And, you know, all of a sudden I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. Okay, so now I, I have these and they interact in different ways and they, they function differently. Okay, I'll, I'll grab some of those. After a couple of those, uh, you know, runs, I started wondering if it was something I 
wanted to keep playing with, but it was just interesting enough, you know, where I was like, eh, I'll do another run. Like, yeah, I'll do another run. I'll do just one run. more. One more. It's a, one more run. It's okay. And then, like, the the folks that developed this game are are evil geniuses because what is this one person? Honestly, it is. And he came from a background. What was it like the the gambling machines? Like he he was from a background of like knowing how those gameplay loops work for for gambling mechanics. Uh, but he used it not to create, you know, predatory DLC, but as mechanics in the game where, you know, you get a, you get a chest and you open the chest and it randomly like spirals around and gives you uh, an item that you didn't have before. It gives you an ability you didn't have before, uh, or starts to fuse them. Cause then you start to realize there's certain fusions where if you have this, uh, uh, active ability and you have, uh, this, uh, passive ability, and you've leveled them up, then it might be that the, the chest gives you a fusion of the two and makes it way, way better. And so, yeah. like, now I don't just have my garlic, but I now have, like, a, a dark void around me that sucks the life force from all of my enemies into me. Uh, and so that's that's super cool. And then what other abilities work with that? Oh, well, here's one that it, it affects my range of any area effect ability, and these are ones that increase the rate at which you fire them off, and before you know it, you have this just gigantic, screen-expanding, dark void of life-sucking energy if you get to those. So once you get up to the point where you can actually do, like, a 30-minute run, and really, like, go, go through all of that, you're like, oh, wow, that was pretty cool, and it's right around that time they say, hey, You've unlocked a, a new map you can go to, and, oh, there's some other characters you've unlocked. Would you like to get those? And here's some new abilities, and they just keep feeding you, like, this constant, satisfying uh, loop yeah. of new things that they keep introducing over and over and over again. And mm -hmm. you keep sitting there kind of going, oh, I got a bad rap on that last run. I bet I could do better the next one. And so you go back in because you're like, oh, if I just get the right confluence of circumstances, I'm going to yeah. totally get through this. And they do the smart thing of, like, after doing all of that, they then like surprise you with new things where it's like oh you get to the special map where you're uh you can outrun death like you can outrun yeah. the death and you go to and and it warps you to this whole other area that has like a special cutscene at the end that unlocks a whole other thing they do the it's just a really smart way that the developers made that game where it's just constantly surprising you with the new abilities and weaponry and characters that you get and how you can continuously upgrade them. And so, you know, after I don't even know how many hours I had in it, uh, <laughs> sometimes I still uh, keep thinking to myself, maybe I should go play Vampire Survivors. <laughs> there you go. See, it's gotten in your head now. It's gotten in my head, yeah. And and it, it helps that it has, like... um. A really nice style for what it is uh, and that it has like some pretty cool music that's fit it, it, it felt like Castlevania but if Castlevania was a bullet hell shooter 
Yeah. <laughs> and so, so I did like it for that uh, reason. Now, you never played Vampire Survivors. I have not. It's sitting on my wish list. Not that it's a lot of money, just like eventually I'll try it out. It's one of those games that, same with you, I've looked at it and gone like, eh. Yeah, this isn't like a typical game I would play, but I know right. by looking at it and playing games like Dungreed. Dungreed? Oh, okay. Uh, would I have you say that name? Yeah. Uh, playing that, which is um, just has the roguelite elements to it where you can restart, do more runs and you get different items. There's hundreds of item combinations to do and sets you can unlock. And from doing that, I feel like it'll be the same thing. Or like Curse of the Dead Gods, you know? Sure. It's those roguelite games really get you. Oh, they can, yeah. They, they can, can really get you. So I know if I play it, I'm probably going to be like, ah, this is okay. And then I'll sink like six hours into it and I'll be like, damn. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's one of those. I can it's play a game for 30 minutes and go, this game sucks. I'm never going to play it again. But I can play a game that I feel is like mediocre that I'll be like, this game is kind of, it's all right, I guess. There's nothing wrong with it. And then end up playing 10 hours and then going, oh, I guess I was enjoying myself because I got sucked in. Yeah, exactly. And I even think that their timers where there's time limits and such that you're trying to get to was really smart because if you wanted to play and you're like, oh, I might have a half hour, you know, you, you start playing it and then maybe you die at the 15 minute mark. And then you're like, oh, I still have 15 minutes. I could try that again. But then you're a half hour in and you succeed. And now you're past the time you thought you were going to play. It's very smart the way they do it. I have not played the DLC. I do know that they did some small DLC packs. Um, but I'm, I'm sure it's good. I'm sure, I know that they probably wanted to keep making a little bit of money on the back end. Uh, because it's a risk. They don't sell it for a lot of money. So it's $5. You don't have to sell for a lot though too. Yeah, and like it still. How many copies has that sold? Uh, Lots. Yeah, tens of millions, I think. I I don't yeah. even know how many, but uh, and everybody liked it, and as it did help that it was on uh, Game Pass. Uh, a lot of people played it that way, but I mean, I think even on Steam sales, they did pretty pretty well. Um, oh yeah, no doubt. So I mean, there there was that one. It was definitely a surprise. Sometimes I just do a thing where I will. Um, play a game that I have like no expectations of just to see what it does uh, yeah. and, and you know that's something I, I do enjoy doing because it's like oh this is completely outside of my wheelhouse I don't know if I'm going to like this or not but let's find out if it does anything interesting and sometimes I get surprised by it it's not all the time but sometimes I do um, the other game though that I was going to play uh was one that I I kind of had to give a second pass to, and I've talked about it on the show before. But uh, Remnant from the Ashes wow. is a game that is in like the Dark Souls sort of family in terms of its uh, framework. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, you have regenerating en enemies and checkpoints, and uh, it, it focuses on. Uh, strategic combat more than anything else you have uh, a version of the Estus flask I think they're the dragon hearts in this one that only regenerate when you get to one of those uh, you, know, you have hub areas and you can uh, trade in the one currency for you know upgrades to your character etc the the thing that made it a little different was that they uh, used guns and I started thinking that, you know, well, actually shooting mechanics into one of those games could be really interesting. 
uh, if that was the focal point. But the first time I played it, I really, really did not like it uh, at all. Uh, I, I was I was not happy with uh, the way that the enemies uh, acted. I didn't like how clunky and slow it felt that I was uh, that I was. And when I got to the first like major boss of the first area, um, it just steamrolled over me multiple mm. times. Uh, right when I thought that I was doing something like I might be able to get through it. And it just steamrolled over me and, like, destroyed half my health. Started sending out little plague spore monsters at me. And I'm like, uh, okay, you know what? After four or five attempts at that, I was like, yeah, not doing this anymore. But um, I did that on console. Eventually, it was, uh, I, I think it was on Epic. It was free on Epic. And I said, okay, well, you know what? I'll try it on PC. And I'll, I'll try it again, and I'll make a new character, and I'll, I'll, I'll shoot my shot again. Because it feels like it could have been good. <laughs> it feels like it could There's be good. There's a lot good. of games that feel like they could have been good. There, there is. There's a lot of games that feel like they could be good in the right circumstances, and maybe I wasn't in the right circumstances. And Gunfire Games, who are the, the uh, developers of that, had some really good titles. They also made the Darksider series. So, okay. so they, and, and I think at that point they had already made Darksiders 3, which actually had Souls-like elements in it too. Um, and I played that, and I thought that was really good. So I was like, well, let me give it a second try. I'll give it a second try. And what I found was really interesting is that something I did not know when I originally went into the game was that there is randomized elements every time you go through a playthrough. So... Mm. Uh, the the individual maps will uh, change and have different configurations as to where one area leads to the next, and that there is even different end bosses that you might encounter on uh, uh, on different seeds essentially. So that you lock in a world, but then if you wanted to, you can recombine the world eventually and uh, run through it in a new way so that you can fight different kinds of bosses. So, okay. so I get to the boss area, and I'm like, oh boy, here we go with the big juggernaut dude that's going to plow over me in five seconds. And it's not. It's a completely different boss. And I get through that boss in, um, in a few attempts, and, and it feels more, more manageable. And, and I say, I feel like, oh... I got three. I feel like that's really interesting as a concept for like a souls like. Yeah. Um but not necessarily in a good way. Like it mm. then it comes down to like what you randomly roll for your world. So right. like like for a casual player, someone like me or someone like you, that's like a, as you said, you didn't like it. You stopped playing the game at, at that right. point because it just felt unfair pretty yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I would have never tried it again right probably right and i'm <laughs> like well had I, had I not tried it again i wouldn't have known about those mechanics at all which is really interesting i wouldn't know right. that that's how it works um, right which is something i feel like you, you should say at the beginning be like hey the worlds are randomly generated yeah you know yeah that it should be more clear that that's uh, a thing that happens um yeah because 
it's not made explicit at the outset. Uh, it, it, there's there's like this giant world crystal that's in the main camp that you eventually have access to, where uh, you can you can start to reseed, and I think it, it especially becomes useful after you do the main quest because it will ask you about difficulty levels and stuff like that when you go back in. Uh, so that you might have access to different parts, because also different bosses, different enemies have have parts and components and stuff that you might need for upgrades and stuff. Um, but I, I got through that boss, and then I get to the next area. And by this time, I'm like, oh, okay, I see what kind of weaponry works for me and what kind of armor works for me. And it gave me enough space where I could see that the mechanics actually will work okay if you understand how it works in the game. As long as you understand how the game functions, then you can tailor it to your style, you know. Uh, and I, I realized that it was probably, one, I wasn't playing the class that worked for me. I did a different class the second time through. Um, and that uh, I was reaching stumbling blocks that aren't necessarily there, uh, depending on what generates in the world and the yeah. outset. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's kind of a little bit of a roguelike thing that they put into a Souls-like game by having yeah, that. Yeah, a little weird. Having that. Uh, but I think that they might have done that for replayability. Because when you go back through, you may encounter completely different enemies than the ones that you, you previously sure. had to deal I with. I feel like that's more of a New Game Plus type deal you thing you should do. Yeah. Instead of from the outset. Because I know like Devil May Cry, for instance. Hmm. After you beat the game on normal, you unlock a couple different more uh, difficulty options. Sure. And then you can beat it on harder modes and unlock more difficulty options. Sure. But one of them, uh, like the first one, is just it's the same game and you go through it, but the difficulty mode swaps where all the enemies are in the game. Hmm. So, like, if you start the game, you might have, like, a boss-type monster in the first room. I mean, in, in that one, you keep all your progress when you do that as well. So you're oh, still sure. on an upgraded character, which is nice. But it's like, enemies are not where you expect them to be. So you go into a room that you expect these easy enemies, and it might be aerial-only enemies or something really difficult. Mm. So it's not like the base game doesn't go, yeah, we're just going to do this for that. It's not the experience they want. Sure. But to make it more of a challenge, they have a mode that specifically does it. Sure. So maybe if they had done it more as a New Game Plus type mm -hmm. deal or at the crystal where you can reshuffle things, but not like as the like intro experience to it. Yeah, yeah, I, I get you. Uh, the first little tutorial part is pretty much set in stone. But it's really when you get into the main game where you start to realize that, actually, when I go through this door, I don't know what the next map is that's go that I'm going to link to from this door. And, um, and like, I don't know where the entrances to the sewers, for instance, are. Uh, that, that all keeps changing on you through a, a, a variety of different maps that they, they put into place. Almost like a tile-laying game where you know, kind of like know what the tiles are, but you don't know in what configuration that they're in and which ones you're yeah. going to even encounter. 
uh, because mm -hmm. they're they're even behind the bosses. There would be like special uh, areas that you may not encounter depending on how that world was shuffled around. Um, so interesting thought uh, for how they developed that game. It's just that it kind of takes a couple tries for you to understand what they're doing. I I have not tried Remnant Two. I have heard very good things about it. I don't know if they kept that mechanic or not. No idea. No idea. But if if they did, at least I'd be aware of it. Um, I I can tell you that I did try what was it, Chronos before the Ashes, which was like the kind of the prequel to Remnant, but oh, was okay. was also I think it was like a, a VR or it was a mobile game. That came out before Remnant, and okay. then then they turned it into after Remnant did well, they turned Chronos into like an actual computer game game that wasn't that wasn't those other things that didn't work. Sure. Uh, but that is a much more direct Dark Souls sort of thing, which is is like melee combat and uh, you you know set structure to to the to the world that you go through and fantasy elements more than sci-fi uh yeah. and works okay the one the one interesting thing that they did though is that every time you die you age a year okay in that which does eventually affect what your maximum uh strength and dexterity are but also yeah. increases like your wisdom stats so you can get better at magic later if you die enough but you don't have the ability to wield as strong a weapon or and do as much melee combat. So they did they did an interesting thing there. Uh, I guess Sifu kind of did something similar to that. But but I don't know Remnant Remnant though uh, I really like because once you really get into it and start to like get used to the mechanics and the enemies and and get comfortable with your weaponry. Uh, it becomes fun, actually fun, to start going through those levels and going, oh, okay, now I know what I'm going to encounter. And, uh, you know, it's it's once you get good, essentially, you're... Get good, <laughs> Once it. you get good, you're, uh, you're, you're in good shape. And by the time you get to the end uh, and you, you really just start to appreciate that the shooting mechanics work for this framing, um, you're, uh, you're happy to finish the game. I did finish the game. Um, and, oh, good. and went through uh, with some other options to check out what the what the other uh, enemies were. If I hadn't forced myself to go back and try it again, I wouldn't have known that. <laughs> yeah, realistically, See, I, I don't usually do that. I go, wow, this game really wasn't good. Unless there's updates, I'm not going to go back and go. But I should try that again, typically. Right. Um, Once in a while, but yeah, I I kind of decided that uh, we'll talk about it during the the New Year's. Uh, episode, but I've kind of decided that this coming year, I want to do, like, uh, second chances for a lot of games that I didn't like to begin with, but I always felt like maybe under the right circumstances I would, and, like, like really sit down and say, okay, we're gonna try this one more time <laughs> and see see if if i can actually uh you know go through like can can i, can I actually find the value in this cuz it's been nagging me that i that right. I can't you know sounds like we've got a new series on our hands second chances with nathan yeah 
yeah. It might or something. Uh, it might it might be in Citanium Mine, but it's like a mini series for Citanium Mine as like go. second chances series. There's some games I can think of that are probably going to be on there. Uh, I, I'm, I'll see how uh, in love I am with that idea. <laughs> yeah, honestly, one thing I've thought about recently, just a little bit, was maybe like let's talk and crave about it is. What about, like, what if I try some games that I don't think I like, mm-hmm. or, like, I don't think I'll like, but try to find something in them I do like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the only issue with that is that I have to go out and find games I don't think I'll like, which is hard, because there's a lot of games I don't think I'll like, but finding games I don't think I like, but I'll want to try to play that are at a price point I'm willing to pay for a game I don't think I like. You know what you do is you go you go through Epic, yeah, right? And, and you you, you start you start looking through Epic because I guarantee you that there's stuff that you got for free on Epic or one of the other services oh, yeah. that you probably didn't think you'd ever want to play, but you picked them up anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's Happens probably where I'd start with that. Those are a couple examples. If uh, anyone out there has some games that you'd like to share that you you hated uh i'm not going to judge you even if it was like a great game and you say i hated it but then i got (laughs) i got a little bit happier with it or if i don't like it i'm not going to judge you everybody has preferences on what game nathan's going to judge you really severely i'm going to judge you but it's going to be silent judgment behind the scenes i'm going to be very passive aggressive in my judgment of you perfect so get get ready for Get ready for that. Alex, we uh, always hate to do this, but we we do have a little newsy segment. Uh, it depends on the news. Sometimes it's it's boring but interesting. Sometimes it's interesting and laughable. Sometimes it is interesting and laughable, and uh, you know. This just happened to be something that we saw uh, a week or two ago that I think is is relatively prescient, especially for the time of year that we're in, yeah. um, and the fact that I have a little experience with the game. But it has, mm-hmm. to, it has to do with a little thing called Redfall. You familiar with this? I heard it was a really great game on launch. It is. It is uh, Game of the Year. It, it's game of the year territory, um, you know. Uh, Beating out Baldur's Gate three. Ba- Baldur's Gate three has nothing on Redfall. Uh, yeah, yeah. All all of these great games that came out this year it don't hold a candle to Redfall. Uh, intriguingly enough, for our live show, I also played Prey, which is from the same company. Uh, this is this is also uh, a game uh, from. Um, oh God. Arcane. Um, Arcane, thank you. I, I, for a second there, I was like, wait, what is the company? Yeah. Who am I talking about? Who Shit. am I talking about? Uh, yeah, Arcane. I, Redfall wiped the memory of Arcane out of my head. But anyway, we played a little bit of Prey, which uh, was a good game that uh, Arcane made. And now we're, now we're talking about Redfall, because uh, we were joking before. Uh, Redfall is, is not good. Uh, I have played enough of it to tell you that it is only it is only fun if you consider it like a B movie camp sort of you know so bad it's good but even then it's a little bit boring so <laughs> so at any rate there's the review of Redfall the point is that's not what we wanted to talk about we wanted to talk about an article that actually came up was presented to us from Forbes <clears throat> 
The headline reads, Redfall with three concurrent Steam players is still selling its DLC pack. From Paul Tassi. Um, After Redfall was released earlier this year, I maintained that it was the single worst AAA release I had played in years. That's Paul Tossi's opinion. I still think it's it's uh, uh, brilliant. Possibly in several console generations. Some said that was too extreme, and yet later in the year here, it seems it did not quite find its audience, to say the least. It now has anywhere from a low of 3 to a peak of 38 players playing the game on Steam at any given 38 time. 38 players is peak numbers. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, no zeros are missing there three players uh they even show a helpful little uh screenshot to actually show the dip it looks like as of october 1st that's when it hit three specifically i had also just recently heard something uh from bellular news as Mm. well that redfall's player numbers had gone up like 210 percent and it was an anecdote because their player numbers are so bad. Yeah, 210%. So we went from three players to 10 players, basically. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Great. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, later later on in the article, uh, it says, As recently as September, Pete Hines, Pete Hines kind of a big deal over at Microsoft, talked about how they weren't giving up on Redfall because long-term, it will always be on Game Pass, even if it launched poorly. Yes, we're fully aware. Um, He said, We're going to get it to be a good game because we know, as a first-party studio, Game Pass lives forever. There will be people ten years from now who are going to join Game Pass, and Redfall will be there. And they will not want to play it in ten years. People will go, What the fuck is Redfall? Yeah. Uh, and, and also, just for the record, um, d- this is my commentary. Uh, uh, Microsoft, do not try to promote Game Pass over the next 10 years by saying, you can play Redfall. I don't, I don't think that's why people are going to come to play uh, You Game know, Pass. I actually don't have Game Pass, but now that you mention Redfall's on it... Oh, you gotta, you gotta do it. <laughs> um... Paul Tassi's article does say, just to kind of expand on this, but Arcane's Redfall has been all but abandoned. Its last update was in June 2023, a month after its release. And- yes. So one of the things, sorry, one of the things I had heard yeah. while I was listening to the Bellular thing, <laughs> I enjoyed the news they do, um, they haven't fixed, like, anything. Yeah, nothing of substance added in the four months since, and no... That 60 FPS update, which seemed like it was coming soon after launch, apparently never happened either. So, hello folks. An update. Since this article was put out, Redfall, out of nowhere it seems, actually did have a game update. Where they touted that they would have performance mode for Xbox Series XS, added PC performance and stability improvements, and a lot of changes, including controller improvements, stealth takedowns, new encounters. Although, when they say new encounters, that doesn't necessarily mean new enemies. Just that there's new encounters with the existing enemies. 
Anyway, Paul Tassi actually did do another article as a follow-up where he returned to Redfall following this update, and I'll link that article down below, but just know that the last line of the article is, The update improves Redfall in small ways, not in big ones. The game isn't fixed, or much better than it was. Sorry to report that, but it's just the way it is. So... So there's that. Anyway, enjoy the rest of the video. Past that, Bethesda's bigger problem is that as part of the Game Pass way to make more money with free games that launch there, free in quotation marks, there, there was a Bite Back edition, also in quotes, which came with some cosmetics, but the main draw was the promise of two more new characters to join the original four. That pack is still on sale to this day, $30 by itself, or bundled at $100. I should mention, too, if you have a concurrent player base of three, Redfall's also built more as a multiplayer game than as a single-player game, and I think that they kind of build it so that you can have four players in a match at a time. So, like, so what you you're can't saying is even the three concurrent <laughs> players are all together, and 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 they can't even get a four-person team together if they're at that low point. So, I really hope they can keep at least four concurrent players so that they have one match going on online, assuming all of them want to actually play multiplayer. Which I don't know if I'd want to subject my friends or even strangers. I don't know. Maybe if it wasn't a seventy-dollar title. Yeah. Exactly. Or a hundred for your for your complete collection that doesn't actually have the characters in it that you might have thought for the yeah. bike back. May edition. Okay, so so maybe if I had mm. Game Pass, I would go, Hey, who wants to get together and play some Redfall for the lols? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, the, the only thing I can say is if they were smart, and I don't know if they're smart. But I would start promoting Redfall as the kind of thing that streamers will get so much content out of because it is so bad. Like, right. like, like promote it to streamers and say your audience is going to love watching you absolutely lose your damn mind playing Redfall. And just promote it like it's The Room, but for video games. <laughs> like. It's just promote it that way. It might become a cult classic for just the absolute shit show that it became. Try that. Try that. It's the most you can do. Sure, I guess it's possible Arcane does indeed somehow get all this stuff out eventually, but that seems like a colossal waste of time. Reportedly, Arcane is now pivoting back to Dishonored 3 probably the smartest move for them, and it does not seem smart to devote any more attention to Redfall, Broken Promises, or no. Uh, yeah, so Arcane's uh, apparently going back to the well and saying, oh yeah, you know one of those series people liked? Uh, we're, we're just gonna make a sequel to, to that. Because <laughs> recently, like, Redfall was uh, universally panned, but they were even kind of like on the fence when it was Deathloop which was another one of their original IPs, uh, and I didn't like it, and I like Arcane. So I, so I understand that they're probably going back to the well. As much as I like to see original IPs, um, it, it seems like 
especially in recent incarnations, it hasn't been working out very well for that studio. Oh, I don't think Bethesda in general has been doing great with the original IPs right now. No, and it's uh, it's kind of uh, sad because we had this almost optimistic pie-in-the-sky idea that maybe when Bethesda was acquired by Microsoft, they would be able to take you know Bethesda Studios and also their other studios and take a little bit more time to actually polish their games and build the kind of games they wanted to make. By and large, that doesn't seem to be happening. Since Microsoft owns all this, uh, given that they are now acquiring Activision Blizzard King, um, who knows what we'll see with that? Not that we think Blizzard is coming out with any new IPs anytime soon. No, I and, and I, I don't think Activision is going to do that either. I have a feeling yeah. that they're going to just be playing their hits for as long as they possibly can. Sure. On on the bright side, at least with Blizzard currently, they have put the manpower into their games. I think their teams of Diablo and their teams on Warcraft, for instance, are like six or 700 people each. Well, that's and good. For, yeah. Yeah, they've bulked up huge numbers of people to work on these games, which is great for getting stuff done. Um, but also, like World of Warcraft, they've got um, basically new leadership and uh, roles that are going in forward to do newer stuff. They have um, Chris Metzen's back, like in a leadership role, and he was the OG, like up until uh, like probably Warlords of Drainer. I think he was like really big and then he took a break sure. uh he was like he, he burnt out he was like on the team for diablo yeah. and warcraft and starcraft he's the voice of thrall in varian Rin, who's no longer with us god rest his soul mm. <laughs> but like he's back in a leadership position there so like going forward warcraft is hopefully going to feel more warcrafty but that's not what this is about i'm getting a little bit uh annoyed by the fact that game studios can't just take the L and say, yeah, this sucked, um, sorry, like, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll do better in the future. They keep trying to salvage, they, they keep trying to polish the turds, and it, you know, sometimes when they're really committed to actually doing a good job, or if there's something to salvage, uh, then, then they can do something, like famous cases like No Man's Sky, but they mm -hmm. actually took years and years, and they actually wanted to deliver on the promises that they had made at the beginning. Um, Cyberpunk released in a pretty poor state, and then CD Projekt Red went back and went, Oh, oh no, and we wanted this to be such a good thing, and went back and over the course of years really expanded upon it, made it better, have done a lot with the AI overhaul. But it's, it's different between that... And when you have a project like Redfall, where I don't see what a good version of this game would have even been. I I don't know what it would have achieved. It, it, it's, not even, uh, it's not even stylistically or uh, interesting enough to be Borderlands the way that they framed it. Um, like, even from out of the gate. It, it's like, imagine if Borderlands, but one, we don't have an interesting visual style. Two, we don't really have nearly as many interesting guns that interact with, you know, the world. That's fair. Because uh, we have just, like, five or six different kinds of guns, essentially, that have different um, legendary versions, you know, diff different color-coded scales. 
Uh, and imagine if we have, like, essentially three enemies. <laughs> like, there's three enemy types. I, I, I don't know uh, what a good version of Redfall would ever be. And so I can't really suggest that it's worth taking any more time. It's similar to, um, you know what it actually reminds me a lot more of? Anthem. It reminds oh, okay. me of Anthem, because I've played Anthem. And that has the same thing. It wanted to do, like, the color-coded loot system, and it, it came out, and it felt kind of bland. It had, some, it had some ideas in it. It came from an acclaimed studio. That was BioWare. And they kept saying over and over again, like, we're going to, oh, yeah, the storm is coming, you know, and there's, there's, there's a cataclysm or whatever, and we're going we're gonna to create these weather effects and stuff. But no one cared by that point. And yeah. we had already too little, too late. Yeah, we had already seen what the story was and the characters and we were like, meh, I don't know what this even would be. And again, I don't know what a good version of that game would be, even if you fix those basic problems, because it's not very engaging. And we came here for thinking Bioware, you're gonna create this great epic story and big fleshed out worlds. And it's not that, and no amount of fixing it, unless you make a new game entirely, is going to do that. The coolest yeah. thing that they did with that game was they gave you, like, the Iron Man suit, and you can fly around for a little while before you run out of thrust, and then you have to wait for it to recharge. That was the, that was the coolest thing that it did, but it doesn't make the whole game work. You can't build your entire game around that one thing. Yeah, maybe use the game as, like, a framework for something else that is sure. not what it is now, but, like... Yeah. Do you, you know, or, or just accept that it's not good and nobody wants to play it, and then just just ham it up. Like, say say you're gonna do an event with Redfall, and, like, all the vampires, like, have clown noses. It's it's clown again and just do do make make all of the weapons like do like horn honking noises for a little while just do some some random stupid absolutely insane crap with it just to make it like something like just 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 to revel in the fact that it wasn't very good and just to play around with it at that point like Right. Some kind of just stupid event that makes no sense whatsoever. Do 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 horse armor, but it's not yeah. it's not paid horse armor. You just put horse armor in the game. There's no horses. There's just no horse armor. armor. <laughs> you put the just horse armor. You put the horse armor on the cars that you can't drive in the game. <laughs> That was that was one of the things that people really did complain about, and I understand is that there's tons of cars in the game. You cannot drive any of them. It's pointless. Yeah. Anyways, enough. I feel like that's enough bitching about Redfall for one day. No one's interested in this vampire story, <laughs> um, and I don't blame. Maybe them. make him sparkle. Yeah, make him sparkle. Make him sparkle. Have a war between the vampires and, and put werewolves in the game. There you go. You could get Anyways, like, several books um, out of it. I guess the TLDR is Redfall. If you want to sell a $30 DLC, maybe fix your shit and make the game interesting for the three players. And maybe get more players first. I don't know. Yeah. Do that. I just thought it, just thought it was kind of funny that they are still selling a $30 DLC. 
that nobody is going to buy because no one's playing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and for the people who did, I am so sorry. I Try to get your money back. It's not going to be worth it. <laughs> we are uh, indeed still in the spookiest of seasons, as you are aware. And... In the last episode, we did a little adventure hook that you can use in adventure games, your TTRPGs, that was based around campfire ghost stories. Uh, also, if you haven't watched that one, go watch it. Go watch it. Why, are you afraid? You afraid? You should be. Afraid the ghosts are going to get you. They are. They're going to get you. There's a guy with a hook, and he was a Scooby-Doo monster the whole time. Anyway, uh, this week, though, I wanted to give you a different kind of adventure hook to expand upon, which is based on a movie. A movie you have not seen? Yes, all movies that I have not seen. You've never watched not a seen single movies. You've never watched nope. a single movie. You're going to be not that one. You're going to be that uh, that meme, that that famous tweet of a uh, guy who's only seen one movie, which was Boss Baby seeing his second movie i'm getting a lot of boss baby vibes here <laughs> you're gonna be in the, you're gonna be that dude anyway so uh the movie that i wanted to talk about was the thing uh not the new prequel one that they did but the original like the john carpenter one from back in the 80s and uh, I wanted to talk about that because I think that it has some really interesting framework structure that could be used for an adventure game. Um, so let me just give you the basic concept of the movie. You have this team that is kind of cut off from civilization. They're at a research station. It's barren. There's, like, no one else around as, as far as they can see. There might be other research teams. You find out that there was one. But... It's not easy to get around. Snowstorms come in frequently. Getting around and, and traveling is very hard. Uh, so you're you're at this research base, and it's a bunch of these guys, and they have uh, dogs that they can use. A snow dog runs into the camp from, like, the other camp. Doesn't really understand why, but we'll go and check that out later, I guess. But right now... Um, yeah, let's, let's put you in the kennel. As you start to realize throughout the course of the movie, this dog has been infected with essentially an alien parasite that can, uh, that can infest creatures and then take on their appearance. And there's very little way to understand how you are infected until it's too late, and you might not even know you're infected. Okay. The, the movie goes through stages, basically, where the team is trying to, A, figure out how to identify what this alien virus is, where it came from, what it is, and then also how to d determine who has it and the mechanisms of determining if you are infected with the virus in the first place. But, and what to do if you are infected? And, to, well, that, that would likely be the third question they would have asked if they had time. <laughs> um, you, 
by the end of the movie to spoil like a 40 year old movie but no one essentially makes it out of this <laughs> just, just so right, that you're cool. aware so what you're saying is our adventure hook is the party's gonna fucking die the party is going to essentially die uh so here's here's what i wanted to set up we'll take the general idea it doesn't even have to be a snowy town but that your uh party winds up at a small town that is just out in the middle of nowhere. There's no, there's no sure. real major towns or any settlements or anything. It's just kind of like out there in the boondocks. You're in the Wild West, practically. Yeah, they're exploring and they come across a small town. Right, exactly. They're weeks away from anywhere worthwhile. Exactly. And so they get into this town. And something just seems a little off. And they can't really pinpoint what it is. But some of the people in town seem like they're really on edge, like they're on guard and they don't trust people coming into the town. They don't trust new faces, they don't know you, and they seem a little bit paranoid by the idea that you're there. And so the investigation is that uh, some of the townspeople have encountered some sort of plague that they can't identify, and there's nobody in town that was like an apothecary or an alchemist or anything that could research it. Because they didn't think that this would ever happen. They don't know where it came from. They don't know how to figure out who even has it, because they can walk among you. And mm. so they're now paranoid about this. And now you're a bunch of new faces, they don't know who you are, and they don't know if this plague has come from outside of town. They can only imagine that it did, and you might be from that place. And now you're highly equipped, very powerful adventurers that could do a lot more damage than your average citizen if you are infected with it. So you've now walked in essentially on a town that... You can't just walk away from, because it, it's, it's a long trek out, if you ever want to go anywhere, that is absolutely paranoid about it. And then there are also folks that are in the town, who are probably like the town guards, who also don't want you to leave. Because if you are infected with this plague, then you go to another town and you could spread it. So, right. so you're kind of locked in, in this place having to deal with a paranoid citizenry that doesn't even understand what's going on, but knows that something is very, very wrong and has taken a lot of its citizens away. So now your party is in the middle of this. So what do we do? What does our party have to do? I mean, I'm hoping that somebody has some healing ability here or some knowledge of alchemy, but if... Well, some knowledge of something. Yeah, medicine they may or not something. be able to heal it, but you know, having some knowledge of medicine would be good. Health, yeah. medicine, Health, yeah, biology, biology would be good. And depending on how you want to flavor it, maybe arcane knowledge or uh, or or religion or spirituality or something. Because who knows what this this could be? And even if they, even if it doesn't have anything to do with that, having people do checks that are related to that could be very useful because it pinpoints what it's not. Yeah. What it's not. Well, uh, it's not natural. Cool. It's not arcane. Cool. Is it supernatural? Is it, uh, you know, is it a spore? 
<laughs> like, can we can we determine if this is a virus, a bacteria, uh, uh, mycelia? Can we can we can we uh, can we figure out if this affects certain people? If it affects certain characteristics? If this affects animals? Can we determine anything like that? Um, any information would be useful. I think even just basic investigation skills might be useful. Um, but, like, what's the first thing that you would imagine adventurers would do uh, when faced with this situation? Your typical adventure party comes into this situation. What what would you imagine be some of the first moves that they would try? Um, murder? No. Just um, kill everybody Probably off. investigation. Yeah. Probably some kind of investigation. Because mm-hmm. um, you want to try and figure out symptoms or how to tell if someone's got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can tell you that it would probably be a smart idea to not have the answer to how to to kill off this entity be fire, because they're just going to set the whole town on fire. I mean, they're probably doing that anyways. Yeah, that is probably the way that this resolves itself. But remember, you are trapped in this town. Yeah. Like... I would want to have... I would want to have false leads as well. Maybe someone in town is sick, but it's not the virus. They're just, they've got a cold. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or or you have people that are like shut-ins. They don't want to go outside at all. And you think maybe it's because they actually have uh, the the plague to start with. But, but it's actually that they're just, they, they don't want to get sick. They're They're trying to avoid everybody else and they don't trust anybody else. So that's a misdirect that you can use. Um, I like the idea that it could affect anything, like any biological entity. Uh, it's affecting all the snails. It's affecting the snails and the rats. I think that the rats would be interesting. I think it would be interesting if it affected the birds. If there's birds around town, because then that adds a whole new level of like, how do we even contain this? I think that would be a, a, an interesting thing. If you find out that it can affect birds, do you then see all the townspeople shooting all the birds out of the sky because they're worried about like getting birdemicked? As yep, birdemic. <laughs> yeah. Worried about all the bats. Exactly. Are we're we're starting to make a trauma film now? This is great. That's great. Uh, I I'm trying to think of other things that they might want to do. Like I said, this is a town in my head at least, my head cannon doesn't have, like, a healer or a medic or anything like that. Um, yeah, assuming you've got, like, a cleric in the party, you could, like, purify food and drink and water and stuff like that. Right, that might at least uh, tell you if it's a foodborne illness or if it's a waterborne illness, something to that effect. So, that could be helpful. Um, but what would you want the actual culprit to be? This, like, in, in the thing, it was an alien entity, essentially, that had come to Earth. But in What do I want the setting, culprit to be? Clearly Mind Flayer tadpoles. We're to go in Baldur's Gate 3 on us. Oh, okay. So we got Mind Flayer tadpoles in this. Okay, cool. So what would the Mind Flayer tadpoles end up doing? Like, could you be a townsperson in this world and be infected with one of those Mind Flayer tadpoles but not know it? No, you you know about that. Uh, oh. We're not we're not actually going to use that. Oh, okay, um, good. Um, I feel like it, it'd be some maybe some spore, 
Maybe spores. as a culprit. I mean, that you would probably kill with fire or burn part of the town down or something. Always um, burn the town. Do you like down. the witch trials? It's mold. It's mold. Yeah, absolutely. It's mold. Yeah, if you wanted to do something historically relevant, then mold would make make sense. Um, I feel like that's uh, gonna become a more common framing for a lot of like even zombie fiction into the future is to take like mycelia and like fungus spores and to say that that's the culprit because people like heard about the zombie fungus one time and cordyceps and was like uh oh yeah that's a good framing for it in fact that's what the last of us uh is i was gonna say that's what the whole last of us franchise is based on yeah exactly so you could do that the only thing is that it becomes pretty uh evident pretty quickly that you have that um, yeah. <laughs> it it doesn't take very long to figure out that that's the problem. Um, so you would have to have something that's a little bit more subtle. And the interesting thing is, like, in the framing of the thing, sometimes the virus will then mutate your creatures um, if it's trying to infest other entities. But most of the time, it's trying to keep under wraps and not reveal itself. To, yeah. to stay to stay um, hidden uh, but then so it's intelligent it, it has intelligence to it yeah okay um, it, where it can understand where it is safe to uh, you know be uh, out well I guess actually uh, th- th- there are subtle ways that it can uh, you know infest people but you don't see it like that's the the whole mystery of the whole thing is that um these two characters are alone in a room for a while, but you don't see what happens there. So mm. it's possible one of them had the infection and then spread it like into the other person that had it. And so what but we don't know what happened when those two people that weren't in frame are are there until everybody gets into the testing area and they sit everybody down and they try to figure out who's actually the the, the bad guys the way the yeah. the way they do it in the movie so that you know is that they do a blood test okay and so they take a they take a little bit of the blood from every person and they put it onto a tray and they find that ironically enough even though I said I didn't want to do this in our adventure hook it doesn't like fire which which is probably the reason why it's in Antarctica so here's my question if, if it doesn't like fire it blood how do you use fire with blood you just burn the blood samples what happened is that they had the blood on the petri dish and they put a torch near it and if it exploded because it it reacted badly to the the thing you knew that the vi- that the uh, the alien was in it so he, here's the only problem with like a virus or something like that that kills off its hosts sure. in this manner is that uh if all your hosts are dead, you die too. Doesn't the virus all die out? Yeah, which is why the thing tries not to reveal itself so that it has yeah. more opportunity to infest everybody else. I guess the real question is, what's the end goal of this in the game? Like, what does this virus or uh, organism intend to do? It wants to multiply. Sure, like but there's got to be an end goal, because if it's not going to affect me by having it, then... Oh, uh, it, it, will take, it will take you over, because it's, it's like it has to 
control you have to do its bidding you okay know. so it's just cordyceps yeah got it's it. essentially <laughs> like that but but okay. like an actual intelligent alien version or supernatural version of a, of a cordyceps okay in some way i don't necessarily think that when you're talking about like plagues or viruses or anything like that it has to have a real end goal to it um it just wants to survive as well as it possibly can and so propagation inside of the entities that you have um is is the easiest way to do that um i did get the impression and maybe this is something you'd want to want to use is that it it has a shelf life of how long it can stay inside of its hosts okay before the hosts die oh okay yeah, yeah. you'd want to do something with that in the in the game then yeah because it it means that you have a constant hunger by the uh by the entity inside to try to get as far out as possible and keep uh reproducing over and over mm-hmm. again um, yeah. Before before your hosts deteriorate <laughs> and yeah. die. Out of curiosity, like I asked you on the last one, but is this the kind of thing that you'd want to subject your party to? Um, maybe an altered version of it somehow, but like it really depends on what you're doing with the party. For a one shot, it could be really interesting because mm-hmm. it's a you know a deduction slash not murder mystery, but a deduction mystery slash. Oh no, we gotta cure the thing and we've only got like a week to do it or else everybody sure. in the town dies or else it takes us all over and then we're unwilling, you know, participants, participants yeah. in this. For a one-shot, that could be really cool. Campaign? Eh. Not, not really, maybe. Yeah. But given these are spooky adventure hooks or kind of in that vein, uh, one-shots work pretty well for those, so... Yeah, I think that it would be uh, beneficial to not use established characters that you plan on playing long term because I think it makes it more interesting for the players if they if they make a character specifically for this, and then realize that those characters are pretty expendable in terms of of what's going to happen to them. Uh, yeah, that it's it's very likely that these characters are not making it out. So. Yeah. So there is that. Biological, supernatural, magical, what kind of flavor do you want? Oh, uh, probably supernatural is my guess. That's probably what I would use. Yeah, yeah. So, like, do the thing, but maybe it's like a xenomorph, like an alien-style xenomorph. But Just something. Like... Something non-natural. It's got some kind of magical properties, but it's not... Mm. It's like, you know, lycanthropy supernatural technically or it's at least a disease but it's like a supernatural disease so you can go along those types of things i think yeah viral lycanthropy yeah perfect taken orally twice a day yeah exactly ask your doctor if viral lycanthropy is for you Hey, if anyone out there has any other suggestions about how you could utilize this in the game, or if you think this is a good way to uh, do a one-shot, let us know uh, in the comments down below. Alex, uh, it's, it's getting close to the end of the month, and I'm starting to get real scared. Oh, spook, spook, spook. Yeah, I know. What am I, what am I going to do? You know what? You know what I could do? To ease my discontent, I could probably absorb some more Total Pebble Knockdown. But but where could I go to find that? 
you can go to our lovely YouTube page, which is probably YouTube slash Total Pub Knockdown or something. I don't know. Links down below. Uh, or you can go to our wonderful website at TotalPubbleKnockdown.com. That's correct. It's like a bonfire in the middle of a, a, of a void that wants to eat your face. You could also uh, click on our Patreon banner, and you can find all of our uh, extra content over there and early releases of our footage uh, in case you just can't wait to see our shining faces here. You can also find us on every podcast app known to mankind, and you can also find us on various social media networks, whatever the heck they're called these days. I am at Citanium. I am at EXP Limited, and our show is at Pebble knockdown so check us out over there for all of your pebbly needs and keep coming along with us on this dark dark descent down to hell for the next couple weeks as we get even spookier and yeah sorry oh sorry i gotta get ready for this okay you ready on three one two three boo I probably should have told you what we were doing in three, right? Yeah, yeah, probably. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, well, next time. Okay, on, on three, we count to three. How about that? <laughs> three. Three. Done. Done. Bye. Bye. Oh, God. there There's, like, one on there. One of the first ones I think I got on Epic, and it was, like, dark, I want to say. And I, I was like, I don't think I'm ever going to play this game, but I'll pick it up, because who knows? Maybe one day, maybe one yeah. day I will. Souls-likes are very much a hit or miss for me, and, uh, and I hit was... Hit or miss for me. Yeah. I was even <laughs> less interested in them back then when I first yeah. picked it up, where I was like, I really didn't like it. I was thought that Remnant might actually be... The thing that made me like the genre, because I was still firmly in the I, I kind of hate this <laughs> as a formula. Yeah. I might be misremembering. I think I think that it was because that it is a research lab, so they did have the technology to take samples of the of the creatures and to analyze it and determine so, that it had negative reaction to fire. So it was intelligent, but not intelligent enough to not go to a research lab. Well, it. So the thing about it is, is that it, I don't think it chose that. It was frozen in ice. Got you. And it only got discovered because I did not see the prequel, but I guess in the prequel, it tells you about the other research lab that actually found this thing in the first place. Pulled. They all died. <laughs> <laughs>